Our gospel lesson today comes from the ninth chapter of Mark. As we continue this series through the gospels, I invite you to hear these words. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and legal experts arguing with them. Suddenly, the whole crowd caught sight of Jesus. They ran to greet him, overcome with excitement. Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd responded, teacher, I brought my son to you since he has a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. Whenever it overpowers him, it throws him into a fit. He foams up at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens up. So I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw it out, but they couldn't. Jesus answered them, you faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a fit. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his, asked his father, how long has this been going on? He said, since he was a child, it has often thrown him into a fire or into water trying to kill him. If you can do anything, help us, show us compassion. Jesus said to him, if you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. At that, the boy's father cried out, I have faith, help my lack of faith. Noticing that the crowd had surged together, Jesus spoke harshly to the unclean spirit. Mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. After screaming and shaking the boy horribly, the spirit came out. The boy seemed to be dead. In fact, several people said that he had died. But Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. After Jesus went into a house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we throw this spirit out? Jesus answered, throwing this kind of spirit out requires prayer. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Retail business is really hard today. A few days ago, in preparation for a project this weekend, I went to three Home Depots in the same day. And, and it took a lot at Home Depot number two to offer patience um, for the lack of help that I was receiving. And I was very tempted to do the, like, I want to talk to your manager type of thing, except for I thought that might keep me another hour in the aisle waiting for the carpet runner, a uh, person who could come and cut the darn thing, right? And so that was my experience this week. I, wouldn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to get anything to happen asking for a manager in this case. Our story begins today with a father essentially asking to speak to the disciple's manager after they weren't able to heal his son. Here's the problem, right? The father says, I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw out my son's evil spirit, but they couldn't. They couldn't do it. Now, the rabbinic principle in action here was called this. The one who is sent is like the sender. 
In fact, Jesus had sent out the 12 apostles just a few chapters earlier uh, to heal evil spirits, to heal people from disease. So it seemed like they had the authority to do this type of work. Everyone now has gathered for this showdown, for what is going to happen. And a large crowd surrounds the disciples. And there the legal experts are debating why the life of this boy cannot be saved, why he cannot be helped, which is really a helpful thing for the legal experts to do, right? To sit around and argue, well, this guy is having epileptic seizures in their very presence. It's very helpful of those legal experts in that place. So Jesus then analyzes the situation, right? He says to the father, bring the boy to me. And Jesus hears the description from the father of what happens. And it sounds an awful lot like what we might describe as epilepsy today, right? He's seizing and, and, and he's foaming at the mouth and having great problems. I mean, a really serious disease, although there's something else evil going on when this thing's trying to throw him into the fire or throw him into floods. I mean, there is something not good about this spirit in this boy. And when the spirit sees Jesus, like these evil spirits do in Mark, it immediately threw the boy down, forcing him to roll around, recognizing the power and the authority at work within Jesus. And Jesus keeps taking stock of the situation. He doesn't immediately go and heal, which probably drives the father nuts in this case. And he learns that the boy's demon has been trying to harm him. And Jesus doesn't wince away from any of those details that the father tells him. He doesn't say, no, this is a case too hard for us. Like, go somewhere else, or we just can't heal this one in particular. It's a little too much for us. No, he changes the tone incredibly. Because the father wants this story to only be about the physical healing of his son. But Jesus is concerned about total and holistic healing for this son, for the father, for the disciples, for all involved. But the father, right, is desperate. He yells out to Jesus. You can picture him after explaining the situation. If you can do anything, Jesus, help us. Show us some compassion. I see the father in this story. He's desperate. He's on his knees crying out to Jesus. I'm begging you, he is yelling at Jesus. We don't want to lose him. It is tearing our home apart We can't think about anything else except his safety. If anyone can help us, Jesus, you can. And what the father doesn't realize here, or maybe he does, is that Jesus always, always will act with compassion. Jesus does not like to see people suffer. I need you to hear that today. I need us to hear it again and again. And maybe that's a reminder we need every single week. And because some of us have this thing drilled in the back of our minds, like maybe he does like to see us suffer. But friends, Jesus does not like to see people suffer. This suffering is the brokenness of creation It is what Jesus essentially is down on earth to investigate and ultimately what he is here to heal. And Jesus challenges the man right there. He says, if you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. But what does this mean? Is Jesus taunting this man into having some type of prescriptive faith where if he just prays the prayer rightly, 
Or he raises his hands in worship and isn't embarrassed during that time. Or if he really means it, really truly means it when he asks for help, then Jesus will heal his son? Is that what Jesus is trying to say? Friends, today I am not saying that faith is a formula for healing. That's done all sorts of damage. People begging before God, I truly believe, like listen to me this time, so heal me now. Or pastors and leaders who would blame people for not having enough faith, and so they, therefore they weren't healed. Maybe you've thought that sometime yourself. Yet, we see in this story that Jesus does have the power to intervene. But sometimes when I pray for healing for people, because I'm a 21st century modern person like the rest of you, it's almost like I'm crossing my fingers behind my back and I'm saying like, Lord, you really work through medical science today and I know that, but I'll keep praying to you like this because it brings someone comfort. And do I believe that Jesus works through the advances of medical science and that tons of lives are saved by things like vaccinations, by things like uh, cancer surgeries and and treatments, yes, 100%. And I also believe that God is still in the work of healing people from physical and emotional maladies today. Do we believe, really, in a God who can move mountains and raise the dead? And that's a question that comes before us as modern people today when we read these stories of healing. Or do we not think that he is? And the father responds right there in that moment, I have faith Help my lack of faith. The father's plea here shifts. It shifts from asking for Jesus to do something about his son's condition to helping him believe and trust in the power of Jesus to heal. The father asks Jesus for holistic healing here. You see, Jesus, when he's talking with people, he doesn't differentiate between the spiritual and the physical world. That's something that we have done. And the Pharisees got upset all of the time when Jesus, right, someone would come up to him and he'd say, your sins are forgiven, before he'd even healed them. And nothing upset them more because they'd say, who has authority to forgive sins? Only God himself has authority to forgive sins, which was kind of the point for Jesus, right? And then he would say, well, get up your mat and walk. Or your, your sins are forgiven, your blindness is healed, right? He would... He would forgive them of whatever malady, he would heal whatever malady it was. But Jesus doesn't differentiate between the physical and the spiritual. So now the problem of faith for the Father has been resolved. The man fully trusts that Jesus can and will heal his son. And so then Jesus heals the boy. In a part that almost seems to be not the high point of the story is actually the healing. Once Jesus exercises the evil spirit, though, it shakes him so violently that everyone around thinks that that boy is dead. They think that he is gone. Like that spirit shook him so violently for one last time that he couldn't stand it. But it says that Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Now these words, he arose, are pretty important in Mark's gospel. The same thing Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law, who had a terrible fever. And it says that as soon as Jesus touched her, she arose and served them. The same thing happened for Jairus' daughter just a couple chapters earlier, bringing them from a dead situation 
to life. We will read these words, he arose again at the end of Mark's gospel, describing what happens when Jesus rises up from the tomb. Jesus is showing that he has the power over evil spirits, even the power over death itself. In God's kingdom, Jesus has the power and the authority to heal, to rise up people from death, and even overthrow death itself. So right after it says he arose, all of a sudden we have Jesus in a house with the disciples and they're reflecting on what happened and they're returning back to the original question that we started with, which is, Jesus, why weren't we able to heal him? I mean, you sent us out. You gave us the power and authority to heal. They're having a conversation together and Jesus answers as the wise healer, throwing this kind of spirit out involves prayer. Now, what does Jesus mean here? I mean, wouldn't the disciples have been praying naturally? I'm sure they had some type of prayer they would pray, asking asking God to help in their healing. Commentator Alan Culpepper says it this way. He says, faith is seldom pure or constant. The father becomes a model for the disciples. Like the blind man who could see, but not clearly, he believes, but still struggles with unbelief. Ministry in Jesus' name requires the constant renewal of humility. Hear that? Ministry in Jesus' name requires the constant renewal of humility that acknowledges that disciples can do nothing on their own accord. Friends, faith is not always constant. We know that. Y'all have had ebbs and flows in your life where You might go from being on fire for God and really connected to not really sure if God exists a few months later and everything in between. That's what we see in the Father in this story. So were Jesus' words, all things are possible for the one who has faith, really for the Father? Or is that the center of the story actually pointing to the disciples? All things are possible for them who have faith. You see, in matters of faith, success sometimes breeds arrogance or complacency. The disciples, after all, figured they had cast out a demon before. So they could do it again on autopilot. Hey, we've got this ability now. Jesus gave us the power to. So bada bing, bada boom, we heal, right? It's great. Pastors who are extraordinary communicators sometimes stop relying on God to develop a a sermon. Soon they might stop praying altogether and one day are enmeshed in an awful scandal years later. A church grows or a ministry flourishes, but then it loses its character. It stops trusting in God and instead trusts processes and systems. The prophet Zechariah says, neither by power nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Neither by power nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavenly forces. I have faith. Help my lack of faith. The Father's prayer can become our prayer too. Friends, faith is ever changing. It grows It weakens, and we need constant dependence upon God, for we never have fully arrived. I have faith. 
help my lack of faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.